Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, this is Sean Cannell, author of YouTube Secrets. And if you want to learn how to build world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network Podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am really, really stoked for this interview drop. This has been one that we've been meaning to get on the books for quite a while now, and it's with a buddy of mine named Sean Cannell. Sean is a YouTuber, international speaker, and coach that helps entrepreneurs build their influence and income with online video. His YouTube channels have over 1 million subscribers, and his videos have been viewed over 100 million times. And he's been featured in the 20 must-watch YouTube channels that will change your business by Forbes. And he happens to be a local Vegas guy. So uh, he came on over to the house, mask and all during all this COVID nonsense. And uh, we sat down and got to have a chat for a little while. The Zoom recordings usually go, you know, 20, 35 minutes. But there's just something about being in person that enables you to have a better conversation, I think. So uh, Sean and I ended up chatting for quite a while. We talk about uh, his roots, the beginning of his story, where he came from, and what brought him to this point right now. And you're going to notice there's a lot of roadblocks and obstacles along the journey uh, that he just kept pushing through and pushing through and pushing through. And then that has led him to the success that he enjoys today. So this is going to be a really, really fun conversation. But first, really quickly, 
As a top 25 business podcaster, I've been through it all too. And that's exactly why I created Guestio. Guestio is an all-in-one tool dedicated to helping you streamline your guesting workflow and grow your audience through finding, booking, and managing the top-tier guests and shows that you actually want. Discover new guests and platforms, schedule interviews on your booking calendar, communicate seamlessly with our built-in messaging system, download an easily shareable press kit complete with bio, headshots, links, and anything else that you might need for your creation process, and manage all of that from one dashboard. That's right. You can book guests like Manny Pacquiao, Jordan Harbinger, Lori Harder, Brandon Turner, and many, many others without ever leaving Guestio. So if you're tired of being rejected and ignored by top guests and platforms and sick of using 12 different tools just to manage your interview workflow, then you're going to want to head over to Guestio.com right now to sign up for your free account and start using Guestio today. That's G-U-E-S-T-I-O dot com, Guestio dot com. It's time to build your network with Guestio. And now, Sean Cannell, what's up, bro? Welcome to the show. Travis, I'm fired up to be here. You know, it's funny that it took so long to do this one because um, you live like five minutes from here. We just discovered that. <laughs> yeah. The world is so big and so small at right. the same time. Yeah, exactly. So I, I want to dive in here, build a little bit of context for those people listening or watching you have blown up now on YouTube, kind of become the go-to guy for all things growing and starting your YouTube channel. It's funny because I just probably last week I had somebody that reached out to me and was asking me for resources on building a YouTube channel because I'm obviously the podcast guy, right? So I don't claim to be like the wizard or all-knowing guy for YouTube. I just send people to other people. And so I was like, oh yeah, you should check out this guy, uh, Sean. He runs this, you know, really awesome YouTube channel. It'll get you started. And like, they had already watched like five of your videos. So I was like, man, this guy's all over the place. But that was obviously not the direction that your career counselor in high school probably sent you in, I'm guessing. So let's go back. Like we're talking junior high, Sean, talk to me, you know, 11, 12 years old. What was life like? Talk to me about, you know, parents, family life, and then we'll move into more school academics and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, junior high, Sean was just kind of trying to find his way. Uh, only child kind of uh, dramatic uh, divorce. My parents got divorced when I was three. My dad had a real bad drug problem and even an abuse problem. So I was with a single mom for a while. My mom gets remarried to my stepdad a few years later and I'm kind of acting out and uh, I kind of go into like rebel culture. I did get a couple of step siblings, but they were, had already kind of grown out of the home. And so skateboarding, snowboarding, mm. growing yeah. up in Seattle. Okay. So, good. you know, Nirvana, grunge rock, uh, like Macklemore said, this is what you get when Wu Tang raised you. And mm. I was also being raised as a conservative Christian, at least in that environment too. So you got Wu Tang and Jesus. Interesting dynamic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, yeah, junior high, uh, it was always, uh, man, I hated high school and junior mm. high. It, I was just always kind of scared. And, um, because of like academics or mean people or teachers, I, I think, I mean, and I did all right, but yeah, just generally, I didn't just have a lot of confidence mm. and, and maybe not having like a bigger brother to look up to and, sure. you know, kind of trying to find my identity and whatnot. Eventually I ended up going to private school. I got expelled later from private Christian school towards the end of high school. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I all kinds ask. of stuff, I but ask. I mean, it's, it it's, was a culmination. Of it a was a culmination of, thing, yeah. of things, but okay, as a Christian school, Kings high school, it was from partying all summer between junior high and junior year and senior year. Okay. But there was also a video of me with three other 
girls in it, mm. an explicit video that I, I'm pretty sure the footage has been deleted. And uh, that's probably for better. Yeah. But I also, people are like, are you afraid if it comes out? I'm like, I don't know. I might be like a Kim Kardashian thing. Maybe my, <laughs> maybe my brand will grow bigger. <laughs> and so, yeah, man, that was, that was not, not good. And, and crazy thing too, is again, I really just went like hardcore rebelling to that level. I mean, really getting like, that's pretty extreme. And, yeah. and, um, even a couple of years later though, like I really kind of found my path again and even got reconnected to God and, and even went back to the, it's part of my story. I like when I was sure. doing like a chapel thing at the, uh, at the school. So anyways, that was kind of high school, man. And there was part of me though, that had a real rebellion against the picket fence, get a nine to five. Mm. It was the, I think the entrepreneur spirit that I couldn't define. And that was, I was like, man, I don't, I don't like my classes. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see myself in history. I, I, don't, I don't fit. See, I don't fit anywhere. in mathematics. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't want any of this stuff. And exactly like your career counselor, I don't want any of that either. But it was also in a time where it wasn't quite yet some of the opportunities we have today. So yeah. I do feel like the opportunity to, to, you know, YouTube and entrepreneurship and the internet and all those things, I was kind of at perfect timing because I did not want to be in a box and definitely discovered that I was kind of by DNA an entrepreneur. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. What did your parents do? My uh, dad, stepdad, is an entrepreneur. And so he helped me on that side. And then my dad, biological father, has always been a woodworker. Hmm. Someday I want to write a book not maybe not really, but the story of really four creatives as the audience called, uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad called uh, creative dad, 
hard ass dad mm, yeah. because my creative dad was always kind of a starving artist, but that's where I got like my love for music, culture, art. Mm, yeah. But a lot of those characters are sometimes broken, can never do the business minded side of things. Then when my mom got remarried and, and again, even like not really being a leader and not really supporting, like not paying child support, like that was that side, but like so creative. Then you had my hard ass dad who was like workaholic, sure. like check the box. And when I got both, like when I look back in hindsight, I just feel blessed because I kind of got that creative side, but then my stepdad brought structure to it. And I think a lot of creatives need that. You know? Yeah, sure. Taking lessons away from both of those, I know that you guys are expecting very, very soon as of this recording. Um, is there anything that you are like hard yes or hard no on in terms of raising your own kid based on the things that you took away maybe from your both of your dads growing up? I mean, it might be kind of extreme, but I'm pretty hard. I'm pretty, I'm, I feel really weird about education. I think a lot of people think differently about education now, but mm -hmm. like I... We really, I don't know if this is lessons from the dads, but we want to, I don't want to put my kid through school. Mm. Um, I feel like it's just such a waste of time. That's will offend somebody, but like, <laughs> um, you know, uh, Heather Torres, our chief operation officer and Isaiah on our team, they're here in Vegas as well. And they're, they do sales and, um, and, and she runs operations. Uh, they homeschool and they have that real perspective of like, of course, educating and yes, some basics, but really getting behind your kids and like what they were wired to do. And so I think, mm, yeah, I think seeing, man, it's just the new era. We had someone just speak at our conference called Growth Video Live, Jade Dharma Wongsa. She's 18, 18 year old CEO, has like three companies, huh. has like, you know, had some companies fail, has like started other ones. Crazy. She's 18. Yeah. And uh, I think of that same environment for our kids at the same time. I think it's about trying to discern how they're uniquely wired. Yes, yes. And then just putting, sending them in the way that they should go. Right, like if they want to be a lawyer or a doctor, then it's obviously like, hey, these are things that are above my pay grade in terms of being able to teach you, so we got to go a little bit more traditional here. 100%. Yeah. But I, um, I would imagine, I mean, man, your environment is so influential, what you're around, and, and we've already been carving, for example, the Taurus family, like their kids are just living in this world of environment entrepreneurship where they're doing homeschool. I heard this, that homeschool done right is one hour of homeschool is equivalent to like six hours in a normal classroom. So mm. when you start thinking about that math, it's basically like you could school your kids for an hour a day. And I'm sure again, four other people just got offended, but, um, <laughs> you know, watching how their kids are being raised and how they sometimes jump in their RV and travel and create right. content and run the business and run through Slack and run remote and do experiential learning and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I just think it's the new era. So I think Getting from both sides of, of dads, the art, I think exposure, the hard exposure, I think to music, culture, art, yeah. diversity, um, you know, diversity in humans, diversity in all kinds of things. Yeah, I got culture. That. Yeah, sure. Huge. And then also just that work ethic side. That's another hard one for me. I feel like one of my edges in business among other creators, you could even, I mean, now I'm about to turn 37 and I look back and I already feel like I'm an old grandpa now. That's like looking at the next generation, like, dude, these kids don't know how to work, man. They don't, they don't know what a hard day's work is. But I look back, my parents raised me, always do the hard thing first. Like I wanted to get, when I, right when I turned 16, I got my license that day. Like mm. pre just fill, you know, give me unlimited Uber, mom. I don't even want a car. Yeah. Like uh, I wanted to get my car. I wanted to get my license. And I worked all freaking summer when I was 15 just so I could buy a system. Come on 
800 watt RMS continuous amp, two 12 inches band pass box, just so I could put that in this car and be bumping in front of the Marysville, Washington movie theater <laughs> subs bumping, yeah. you know? And so just like learning the value of a dollar and learning yeah, the value sure. of hard work. And so I, I, it's interesting. There's always that conversation of like, you know, being born and, and we, we were probably like upper middle class and my parents are doing very well now. But when my mom first married my stepdad, he was coming to have another marriage. She ran up all his credit cards. They were in like a ton of debt and mm, all kind of stuff. Yeah. And so we definitely went through some hard times. So I kind of got to see both sides of it. I, I feel, man, it's such a hard thing to say, but I really wasn't given a silver spoon in light of like the world. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. but you know, now I'm looking at my kid. I'm like, frick, he's going to be born into like some freaking privilege, like a whole nother <laughs> level. I'm like, right. I'm going to withhold everything from this sucker. So he actually, so kind of trying to figure that out. But I think that work ethic thing is huge Yeah, because the work ethic of like what I would quote unquote real work and I, and creative work is just as hard. I think YouTube can, it's just as you know hard sure. to, but, but like there's a, not a day goes by when I'm like, are you like, are you complaining about yeah, right. like <laughs> doing social media? Like, give me a break, dog. I, I was totally like, get it. Yeah, definitely. I was freaking working double shifts at Red Robin, like washing dishes, waiting tables, bussing tables. Yeah. You better stop complaining. You Gen Z. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Love for the generations, yeah. but you know, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. For me, it was door to door, man, door to door in the Vegas heat, in the Fresno heat and in Lancaster, California, which is also the desert, which is actually part of the Mojave desert, same as uh, Las Vegas. But yeah, that's very, very similar for me thinking about back on those days, you know, anytime I get in a funk or something like that. And I'm just, I'm just like, man, be thankful that you get to sit in front of a microphone, talk to somebody really cool for an hour and get paid to do that instead of having to go knock on people's doors and sell something in 115 degree heat. Just like you got to, you got to slurp down a water bottle just to keep from falling over before you get to the next door. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I totally understand that, man. Okay. So let's dive a little bit back into your story here and talk post high school. So high school experience, you know, is, is whatever. And the reason I asked that expulsion question too, by the way, is I can definitely empathize with that because I went to a private Christian school myself. And I was just curious because in those types of settings, you know, it, to get expelled from like a real school is actually, it's seemingly pretty difficult. And I've, I didn't go to one, so I don't know a hundred percent, but I have to think that it's pretty difficult to get expelled from like a real school, you know, but uh, from our school, you get expelled for a number of things that people are always shocked by whenever I start listing through them. So that's why I was curious about that. So you obviously have a little bit of a transition into your senior year, which is the worst time to transition to a different school, obviously. So how did that shake out? And then what did that mean for after high school for you? Yeah. So I went to Everett Community College next, growing up in Seattle area, Arlington and Marysville, Washington, specifically in that area. And instead of going to a different high school, I started doing running start and just finishing out my high school credits at the local community college. And it didn't mean much. Again, I was sort of kind of wandering at this point, working at Red Robin, waiting tables, a burger place, working there, snowboarding and yeah. like just kind of not not with much direction. So checking off all the boxes of success. Exactly. <laughs> Red Robin, community college. There you go. Yep. Yeah. yeah man, future was so yep. bright, but uh, I really didn't have vision. And the turning point kind of for me, that was also, man, I was progressively going more downhill. I was getting into like drug culture, definitely hanging out with some like rave culture, starting mm, in like ecstasy yeah, yeah. and all kinds of stuff like this, which led me to a really good rock bottom. One night, you know, went to this rave and one of our friends who was kind of the dealer took like tons of drugs and got lost. He was our mm -hmm. ride. 
we were up all night. You wake up the next morning or you're still up and you're kind of like coming down. You're all messed up. And I was with my girlfriend at the time. And now all the emotions are flooding in. And I remember he was lost. We were separated from our other friends. We went to some random house in Shoreline, Washington, and people started partying again, started doing like lines of Coke and all kinds of crazy stuff. And music starts bumping. And it was like a pretty like crazy environment. People had like guns and stuff. Mm. And as I, I'm coming down and I'm looking around and there's this, in this moment of clarity, I'm like, it's 6.30 in the morning the next day. Wow. I'm at someone's house. The music's blaring. There's like guns on these, on the countertop. People are doing cocaine. My friend is lost from taking too much, you know, drugs and and somewhere he's gone. I may have made a bad decision or two in my life to be at this exact moment right now. Like I clearly There's some patterns that might need changing. Yeah. yeah like what if I reverse engineer the moves that led to this moment, there's, this is sort of a wake up call moment in my yeah, life. Sure. And so we just went walking. I'm with my ex-girlfriend. I'm like taking it out on her. I'm like crying. I'm like, what are, what's our life? What are we even doing? You know, yeah. I'm like, who are you? Why are you here? Why are we here? And, uh, and what was so crazy was I had to double at Red Robin that next day. I had to work two back-to-back shifts, probably like 12 hours. So we went to recover briefly. Eventually they found my lost friend who was lost in Seattle and we were recovering at this girl's apartment and I take like two more ecstasy pills. So I just to use them as speed to get through the next day, I go Mm -hmm. to work. People think I'm all jaundiced. My eyes are all like weird and yellow and stuff. And that just added even more to just the emotional, of course, all my serotonin and dopamine or whatever's depleted. Right. And it sent me into this depression, which was the best thing that could have happened to me because I really started to reevaluate my life and things. And, and actually from there, it led to me making a somewhat radical decision of going to a small Bible college in Alberta, Canada called Prairie Bible Institute, simply because my parents had gone to that before. And my mom brought it up. She's like, what would you think about going to Prairie? And I would never have gone to this 3000 person town with 2000 people in the school Mm -hmm. in the middle of the tundra of Canada and Alberta, (laughs) freezing cold. But I was kind of at this moment where I was like, clearly, I don't really know how to run my own life. It would be good to separate from this friend group, this situation, I just need, and, and I kind of had like this monk perspective, like I need to kind of disconnect even from just media and everything. And that was a major reset and turning point to eventually to kind of pull it into the story of where we're doing today with the video was kind of got me just back on track. I got back, you know, really aligned in life. And when I came back for the summer from this Bible college, I started volunteering at my church just because I wanted to stay it out of trouble. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and this is now around 2002 to 2003. And the youth pastor handed me a video camera and said, hey, start making video announcements for this youth group of like 16 kids. Hmm. But you, a couple of years before YouTube started and whatnot. So now I have this video camera in my hand. I've got Adobe Premiere like 1.0, yeah. like literally. <laughs> and he's like, figure out how to use this stuff. And that was the genesis of starting to get into video mm. self-taught and eventually the first YouTube channel we started was for that church in a small town, 2007, only two years after YouTube started mm. just from like now social media and all that stuff starting to show up. And I've got a mini way to apply it all. Hey, promote the, you know, figure it out. And, right. and so I was right. learning all these skills at the beginnings of the new kind of internet social media revolution, applying it to local youth ministry, local church, self-taught and just going all in. 
was the main goal of going to the school literally just to get out of the town or was there a specific area of study that interested you? No area of study. I still okay. had no vision. Okay. You know, it was I th- literally just like, this is toxic I, where I it am. It was, yeah, it wasn't like, I don't have any picture of the future. I just have clarity that my present is yeah. bad. I want to stop you right here because I think this is a super powerful lesson that a lot of people miss. I think sometimes when we're in a situation that we know that we don't want to be in for very much longer, I think we can sometimes be paralyzed by a lack of knowing where you're going to end up. Like you got to have it planned out. And this probably speaks to different personality types, I'm sure. But some people will just, they'll never take that first step because they don't know where it's going to be. Like, well, well, where am I going to go though? It's like, well, that doesn't matter. If you know that you, you know, you don't want to be here, then start taking steps. Just take a step that way. You know what I mean? Like if you take a step that way and you realize this isn't the direction I want to be in either, great, come back and take another step a different way. But it's better than just like sitting there and sulking in your misery and like just a horrible environment. And which also speaks to, again, why relationships are just so important. Community environment and everything is so important because just as much as it can pull you up and make you a better person and exponentially increase your ability to like reach the level of success that you want to attain. It can also pull you down and hold you in a place that you don't want to be and where you don't want to end up. And so props to you for being as young as you were and understanding that like, this is something that I have to change or, you know, when I'm 31, I don't know if I like the the version of, of 31 year old Sean staying in this direction. So I want to just point that out really quick before we just move on so we don't gloss over the fact that you decided to do that as 21-year, 22-year-old, whatever it was uh, that you were at the time. So um, so you end up going to this this Bible college, 2,000 people. I, again, can relate. I, my degree is in Bible and church ministries, and the Bible college I went to had like 900 students or something like that. A little bit different, again, of a college experience than what most people's college experience would be. How long did you end up going there, and then how were you making money during that time? So I just went for one year because I was going to keep going, but I ended up transitioning to a local ministry school that was based in my church, kind of like that non-accredited, but it's really hands-on type of a internship plus a little bit. Sure. And my parents sent me up there. They gave me minimal amount of money to live because it was like my dorm was there and I got a meal pass and I got like a hundred dollars for maybe a semester because all I needed to do was put a few quarters in the thing to do laundry. And I had no needs, like all my food, like I wouldn't need money for anything. So the funny story is, yeah, I mean, it's a Bible college, but I'm still kind of working through some things, processing through some things. So one time somebody drove us into Calgary, Canada, and we went to this club where, and now you can drink legally in Canada at 18, it's it's 21 in in the States. And so I remember I started getting $9 Coronas and burnt burnt 88% of my (laughs) six months budget. Yeah. It's just, and I mean, just absolutely a regret. Like this is a horrible (laughs) night. I'm in this, you know, shout out to Canada. So grateful. But I mean, this club just kind of lame drinking $9 Corona's. Yeah. You drink like six of those. And so and you feel all full and bloated. Yeah. And I mean, just just feel the bad the next day. Horrible yeah. decisions. Like the, the decisions didn't, the bad decisions did not stop immediately. And I'm still processing through some today. And so uh, anyways, um, eventually I got on the radio though. And that was definitely a theme. I got on the radio as a job on campus to make money. 
and I was covering like hockey games and playing some music and doing some different things. And I did that at uh, my private Christian high school as well. It was called crossrock.com web radio, Adobe edition early on looking back, you sort of see that thread of like your kind of gift and passion. Sure. And there was, that was, that was audio editing, you know, audio mixing, video editing, uh, even kind of was, I was sort of in creative different software and things. I would get a photography class in high school, all that kind of stuff. So eventually though, I committed fully to that local Marysville, Washington, small church. And I did a three year course called Soma Northwest school of ministry arts, Northwest, which was more than anything, really hands-on with youth ministry. And what was cool is to your point on the power of relationships. I mean, it was the catalyst in like everything that I am today. I mean, with full credit to my parents and to all the different teachers, but that environment of being around youth pastors, Jeff Moores, and just even as a husband, watching him lead his family as a father, uh, learning leadership, learning teamwork, um, learning to interface with people in the city. Right, communication. I mean, every single, it was the formative thing. And you know, it's Robert Kiyosaki talks about it like rich dad, poor dad, like one of the best things you could possibly do if you want to grow into something is like do an internship, get around people that will level you up. And he says, volunteer to church, volunteer to business, intern, like get in proximity. Ken Coleman wrote the book proximity principle. And I look back at how true that was in my life, get in proximity with what it is you want to become. I started getting clarity that I want to speak be a communicator and man, those years, I would also say not just any church, but this was kind of like, it was a Pentecost or charismatic, you know, ambitious, kind of like a church that really like that, that pushes for excellence. Yeah. Sure. So like that, it, you it was do, properly led. It wasn't like a dying church in the middle. Correct. Of the, yeah, sure. So they are like, let's, let's make the videos better. Let's think about how we can make the lighting better. And, right. and so that kind of goal of trying to really honor God with excellence. Therefore you are working on your communication and you're around those that want to better themselves, go after goals, make each service or event or thing. How could we be more creative, do something cool. And so that whole spirit was something I caught and that we carried to today of kind of Kaizen is a word that people use in business is Mm -hmm. Japanese word for continuous improvement, always leveling up. How could we just get 1% better every time we show up for whatever it is we're working on? Yeah. Right. So you build a really solid foundation where you're doing this kind of internship slash schooling program. What happens after that? Like, did you, did you take some time to like apply those things in a ministry somewhere? What was the, well, to your point of it being a well-led church, it, it was, but it did turn out to be a cult. And so this <laughs> it's a true story too. True. It didn't, I, it didn't, I don't even want to say it started bad, yeah. but it went, it eventually went bad. And, yeah. and that was extremes and some teachings. Oh, I mean, specifically if anyone could like extremes in like honor and overly the, the lead people, they, the lead people started to steal some money. Mm. That definitely was like, a, and then just like with kind of that entitlement when you've got like interns washing your car while also triple dipping from different things and it's going to your head and you're starting to act like a jerk and you're fully like the whole thing just compounds and things started to fall apart, especially with the stealing money thing. That's not good. And so we spent seven years. This is where I met my wife. We got married. We're all, we're building there. We have multiple jobs. Um, So so you come on at that church. Yeah. Part-time. Okay. So like quarter time really. 
And that was one of the things too. I mean, as leadership lesson that it's actually, I don't actually think that it's bad if the key people prosper, it's bad if they are greedy and they keep everything for themselves and it doesn't trickle 100%. down. Yeah. 100%. And that was one of the things too, like we were freaking quarter time. Right. They're just balling and others got like, you got like a slave army working right. for you. I mean, there's, it's, it's a unique industry in the fact that like the people that are working for you have an eternal vision for the things that they're doing and it lends itself to exploitation essentially it's like well you know god's going to be pleased with you so keep accepting your 750 an hour and do it with a smile also the bathrooms need to be cleaned yep. <laughs> you know what i mean 100 so, yeah. and it's so funny because i look back and i just man when you think about leadership like some of i i've learned the best leadership lessons out of the good seasons and the bad seasons and i just like i'm like man i really learned what kind of leader i didn't want to be and just things like they would have been fine if there was a few tweaks in their leadership style and how they treated people, yeah, they would have just continued to crush. But you saw that those like cracks in the foundation caused the whole thing to come tumbling down. And so it comes tumbling down 2009 and 10. And this is also, this is a major pivoting point in our life. We had, uh, on the momentum of people at the church and just culture in general, we started, we've got two different homes because the big shorts happening and they're just giving away money to people that have no money. Mm. We're in an 80, 20 arm in one house. We rent that one out. We get into another house. We're living with like two other families eating top ramen because it's going to be a good investment. Boom. Yeah. Bubble bursts. On top of that, church is a cult church crumbles. On top of that, my wife's health is really going rapidly downhill and she's got a chronic illness. Wow called gastroparesis. Now she's at 82 pounds. She almost dies and goes to the hospital. Oh my goodness. So 2009, I find myself in the hospital by her bed for six days. And this had all happened. Church is crumbling, losing homes, in debt, medical bills. And I was working at the church. I still can like for a few, you know, a bag of peanuts and half a banana a week, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'm waiting tables at Red Robin. I had started my business called Clear Vision Media. I took all my video skills, video production, okay. website building skills. And I was kind of just like a solopreneur yeah, freelancer build, freelancer to kind of build small businesses, videos and YouTube, whatever, kind of like jack of all trades kind of at first to try to just hustle. Mm-hmm. Struggling though. And while I was by my wife's side in that situation, she'd always been kind of working multiple jobs to help us make it. She'd wait tables, work at Starbucks. She's now not working anymore. And um, I was in this place where I was like, man, I got to level up. I got to like be level up as a leader, as a provider. I got to get my act together. I got to figure something else out. It lit a fire to really hustle and figure this stuff out. The interesting story is while in the hospital for six days, one of those days I walk across the street to Barnes and Noble, buy a copy of success magazine back when this CDs were in the middle, Mm. pop that CD in my HP laptop that weighs 18 pounds (laughs) in the CD drive, spin the disc the key interview was with Gary Vaynerchuk. Hmm. And for the first time ever, I hear Gary's energy and he's talking about why now is the time to crush it? Why now is the time to cash in on your passion? And he's talking about his new book. This is 2009, right when the book came out. So the next day I go across Hmm. the street and buy crush it. That would be pre VaynerMedia. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is still wine wine library library TV. And uh, I buy a copy of crush it, read the whole thing in the hospital room. And that was in simultaneous of this pressure of like, I got to figure out a way to crush it. 
Yeah. It was like the clarity and this fire lit. And it wasn't for like, I want to do that laptop lifestyle, you know, all good. Like I want Ferraris and like pina colada and a laptop. And who wants their laptop on the beach anyway? That's always my question. <laughs> I'm like, dog, I'm trying to actually like take a vacation. I don't want to get yeah. sand in my right. MacBook Pro. That's like, what exactly are we talking right. about? And so, but I didn't want like, it wasn't the drive for like fame and fortune and followers and all oh, that's cool. But it was yeah. like, man, I got to fight for my family and my faith. And how am I going to pay these medical bills? And how are we going to get through this? And from there, my hustle really doubled down and I started to get into affiliate marketing and YouTube and figure out all those things stumbling around to make side income. And then the big pivot was through a series of relationships and connections. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) I was introduced to a pastor in Vegas and my next move was we ended up moving to Vegas and I became a director of communications at a church not far from where we're recording this. And that was another level up season. Now it was like stepping up to another league, 3000 person church TV show. Hmm. I'm, I'm now doing email marketing, Facebook ads, starting to get into that. Yeah. And what was cool was I also always used the seasons of my life. I always wanted to learn and same to proximity principle too. I wanted to be around greatness. Uh, Benny Perez, the pastor of that church, great communicator, international speaker. So just being able to sit in that ministry, if you will, I was growing as a communicator and I got my hands on the things I wanted to do, Right, not just the church, but also his ministry, like his books and whatnot. I asked the CFO one time if I could, if she'd send me to a Ryan Dice Kindle e-publishing event in LA Hmm. so that I could learn their process to help him write some books. And we followed that process. So I had, I interviewed him we had a, a lady in the church write the book. We had a, the graphic designer do the cover. And I did all the digital marketing stuff to like launch books, wow. number one. And like, and, and part of that was why I wanted to really crush it with what was in my hands where I was. But I was always wanting to level up for my vision of the future, which was I eventually want to write a book. And when I think about yeah. today, YouTube Secrets, my book is the number one bestselling YouTube strategy book in the world. Something like 40, 50,000 copies. It's really still doing well, audiobook and everything else. Well, I helped him launch like three books. I wrote an ebook called YouTube for Churches years before. So there's always like the four or five like projects yeah. that are before the like knocking it out of the park. And right. that and so that season was massive for so many different hard and soft skills for uh, what we're doing today. I absolutely love that because it's not in a learning setting where you are paying to learn, but it's actually the opposite of that. You get to learn all these amazing things while they're paying you to learn all of those amazing things. You know what I mean? Because if they actually add value to them, why wouldn't they send you to the ebook conference? Why wouldn't they allow you to get this course on how to live stream better or whatever? You know what I mean? Like you, you get to learn all of these amazing things, be engulfed in a culture that continually pushes you to grow and like learning while you get a paycheck, like from a place. 100%. (laughs) It's the dream. Hey, here's money. Also, here's a ton of knowledge to set you up for your future. It's the dream. And most people don't see it that way. Correct. Most miss that. They don't see it as really an opportunity. It's funny how what is a massive opportunity and something that somebody could be grateful for could seem as like a burden or just something that is common to somebody else. Or even looked down on, you know, like if this, if some person does that route, instead of going to school, a person that's going to, you know, some college university might be like, oh yeah, well, he's just interning at the church or whatever. You know what I mean? Where like, they're going to graduate with a piece of paper and communications and get out and like, go have to knock on doors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. I, like I had yep. to do basically. And, um, and where that guy might end up where you are because you learned hard skills from real people that are actually doing it in the real world. And I think that's 
invaluable experience. Okay. So at what point along the journey then do you eventually stop taking a paycheck and start writing your own paychecks? So through their direction, meaning the leadership of the church, eventually because of a vacuum in the, their want to get a campus, a second building and inheriting a congregation. So a merger takeover of a church in Irvine, California, we moved to Irvine, California for about a year and a half. And I become a campus pastor along with another couple and my wife and I very interesting season, very difficult, but also another level of pressure to learn, learn Mm. about leadership. And as now a campus pastor, it was an older congregation. I did more funerals than I did weddings. Mm. It just sounds just brutal. Yeah. We were, you know, it's not funny at all, but it was just interesting. (laughs) I was joking with, you know, like Miguel, who was with me there. I was like, man, man, if the, if we just keep having people dying in the church, man, but I mean, it was like an older <laughs> yeah, congregation, you know what I mean? We need members. Yeah. yeah. We need more members. Like people are <laughs> dropping, man. The, the body no, count is rising. Baby dedications here. Yeah. 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 We definitely need. And so, so just, I mean, what a dynamic to be like a young leader in that yeah, situation, right. out of state communication issues, trying to figure things out in a town like Irvine too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like from other really established churches all around there, just crushing it. Right. Crazy learning season. But grateful for all of it. Towards the end of it, Benny Perez, the leader of the whole movement, asks, sits me down and says, you know, how are you feeling? How are you doing with everything going on here? And I said, well, listen, I kind of feel like Michael Jordan playing baseball. Mm. And he goes, with him, you know, like sports analogies or prophecies. He was like, dude, that's, <laughs> that's true, man. That's, I see that. And it was self-awareness. I had learned that while... There's definitely, I mean, today we got a team of 12 people at Think Media. We're scaling. Definitely leadership, if you will, is a huge key. I I had the awareness that like media, communications, content creation, what I was doing back in, in Vegas was the thing that I really not only loved, but like that was really my sweet spot. Like, yeah, yeah you got to yeah. be good at leadership and team, sure. but like that was. And so I asked him, I said, you know, what do you want to do next? Should I go back? Should I do this? And it was under his initiative that he said, I, I said, I said, I actually asked, do you want me to be full-time, part-time or no time either here or in Vegas? And he said, no time. And I was like, dang, did I just get, and, but he was, but it was, it was actually really good. He was like, I think I had been building my YouTube channels on the side. And I think even I look at, I think about his vision. There's some people where you're like, eh, is this person really going to be like long yeah, time sure, term with me or whatever? So I think he, he had awareness <laughs> to be like, yeah, you should be kicked out of the nest and I think you're going to be all right. And the cool thing was they actually hired me part-time as a freelance client for a while to keep doing some social media and stuff that kind of helped us transition. Cool. We moved back to Vegas and I got comfortable because I had three freelance clients, 2000, 2000, 1000, $60,000 a year and living in Vegas, just me and my wife, no kids and our two chihuahuas and building YouTube, but comfortable to like dabble on my side hustle. Cause yeah. I have, my pipeline was full with freelance clients in October 2015, week one, one of my freelance clients is like, hey, we got to let you go. And I was like, cool. Well, no big deal. Just one client. I'll just refill that spot. Week two, phone rings. Bring. Hey, Sean, we, we got to let you go. That's two of the two Ks. Now we're down to 1K a month. This is not good. Week three, third one calls. Let's oh, just go. Man. And uh, lost 80% or so of our income. Making around three to $500 a month on YouTube ads and affiliate marketing. But I had been doing my really sharpened skill now for others and, and didn't have a ton of time to do it on my own stuff. 
And so I called one of my mentors, David Goldstein. I was like, David, who's like independently wealthy. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's done a lot of online marketing, all kinds of stuff and crushed it. Him and his wife just do whatever they want, travel all the time and like start buy websites and flip them and whatever. David, I'm like, I'm super worried. I just lost all my freelance clients. I don't really know what to do. We only have a few months that we could live on in the bank before we're at zero. Like, man, what do you think? He's like, I'm not worried. And I was like, well, I know you never <laughs> yeah. were like yeah, you yeah, actually, right. like, I've never I seen you more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super offended, David, because you never worry about anything, right. but you also never pay our rent. So bro, yeah, like right. this is not what I was hoping on this phone call, <laughs> but I was so glad he said that. Right. Cause, yeah. cause he was like, no, I'm not worried because I think like there was probably long ago, you should have jumped off the cliff, mm. but it looks like God just kicked you off the cliff you just got to go all in. Cause yeah. I was like, do I get more freelance clients? He's like, no nah, man, just go all in on, on what you know to do. And so that was the turning point. October, 2015, I now had no boss, nowhere to be, nobody that I was accountable to. I just got up every single day and hustled and made YouTube videos. Now I'm in tech, you know, I think media already exists. I help people find cameras and lighting and learn how to use their cameras. Hmm. And it's a, you know, you only get like 4% off a sale of a camera on Amazon, mm-hmm. but at scale. And when you're really good at ranking videos and good at the whole process by January of 2016, Christmas, black Friday, cyber Monday, online shopping really goes up. I hustled my face off work 60, 70, 80 hour weeks by January of 2016, about two and a half months later, I made $4,500 on the Amazon associates program, about wow. another 500 on YouTube ads. And that had replaced all that. And so now no client work, just online income. Yeah. And from there it's pure scale because that's like a snowball of videos ranking and search kind of search engine optimization. And uh, I just continued to double down and then started to scale up and we've grown quite fast in the last five years, but you just broke down and pulled the whole story out of me. When you see the years of the seed being planted and the roots growing down first yeah. before it yeah. sprouts up, I mean, it just all, I, I just, all the leadership. It wasn't five years. Yeah. It's no that, doubt. It's that picture of like, everybody's seen the picture of like the glacier, you know what I mean? And like the, the iceberg or whatever, it's like this much out of the water, but like below it is this just giant behemoth of mm-hmm. just pure ice. Yeah. That's. So we sprung up quick with a huge foundation right and knowing just marketing scaling growth hacking teams started to come in and and even some of those things like all that leadership all that like because that's that i see that as a bottleneck for a lot of entrepreneurs the solopreneur thing especially youtube creators yeah like they get that thing but they're like how do you build a team how do you find them how do you lead them or you get people you can't keep them because you just kind of dump you don't really delegate and you don't really lead and uh so building a team culture man all that stuff has been the thing of, of scale on top of the tactics and all the marketing and everything. Sure. Yeah. That glass ceiling right above freelance to actual business is the one that a lot of, I think, content creators just never break through, never push through. So at what point along your growth trajectory did you realize like, uh, I'm not gonna be able to handle all this myself. I'm gonna have to start building a team and like scaling this thing out. I think immediately. And that goes like I, I, by this point now, I had gleaned enough wisdom from mentorship from those around me, even Benji, the co-author of YouTube secrets. And he, we have a channel called video influencers. We run together and he's got a whole nother separate thing. Just having people like that in your life that helps you see a little bit further down the road. Sure. So it was at least immediately looking for, uh, be, being thinking like, even before I was ready, like you need to start reading books on like delegation and teamwork before you're ready. Like, I mean, it's, it's also good to, 
if it's too late, it's a good time to start too, but it's probably better to prepare ahead of time. Yeah. And you definitely, you would probably give this, you always, if you're trying to break through that glass ceiling, you're probably going to wait too long and and you're too afraid of the resources and whatnot. So, I mean, it started with like some interns, like an unpaid intern. He got like a hundred dollar Amazon gift card at the end of summer, editing some videos that kind of grew into it that way. Eventually I met a guy at a meetup in Vegas and then he came on at like a lower dollar amount until his skills and we met at the same thing and then he's being paid pretty well. And then eventually it began to fill in more and more. And so it was just immediate, but probably the background to the point of you're saying, you know, in church, John Maxwell, one of the great leadership teachers of all time and authors, you know, says that actually leading leadership in church, one of the hardest places because you don't have money as an incentive. You have to only cast vision, right. purpose, and kind of motivate that way. So even one of the most critical hires was Heather Torres. She's our chief operation officer today. We met on Twitter. She is an entrepreneur in her own right, had the same vision. Think Media has 16,000 subscribers. We meet on Twitter. We meet up at a public Starbucks, sit down. She's like, I knew I wanted to create an online course. Now I'm making six figures in... Uh, affiliate marketing and YouTube, but I also don't feel like a tipping point to really start. You know, I, I had already been studying and knew that like the e-learning industry and all these things, but I was, I felt so capped and she's like, I help people build online courses. And I was like, well, tell me more about your story. She's like, well, I dropped out of traditional college to take like B school with Marie Forleo and like John Lee Dumas's, you know, like podcasting course. And I was like, That's dear funny. God, you are, I was like, you are speaking my language. You know yeah. who these people are. I was right. like, you are You're in my world. Yeah. yeah right. I was like, man, you, I go, I'm like, I want to hire you. I can't pay you. How does that sound? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, let's go. And, and what we did was we agreed on just performance based when the course sold. Yeah. So that's a true entrepreneur, someone who's not like paying me today, but like, I believe in what I could accomplish right. and I see who I'm connecting with and so, and usually um, works out better financially if they can actually deliver on what they say they can. One hundred percent, yeah. And that and that actually shows that they do believe they can deliver, and they're right. not going to rest on the short term. They want to. They got that patience. So that's we created our first course called Video Ranking Academy that came out later in twenty fifteen. So like that was kind of already happening. In the yeah. first year, she worked just off performance. Second year, off like a base pay and performance. Now she's killing it like because she's worked into a multiple seven-figure company that she's helped scale and it's same thing i mean you you talk about having that long-term vision knowing what your skills are knowing what you bring to the table yeah Um, and she's operations so even the vision of being in strengths and seeing different strengths and weaknesses and how we complement and and and, uh and i mean if you really want to blow up and have a big vision and i even think and even just for surviving and lasting through seasons man it's definitely you can't go alone for very long so we've heard basically the story of the come up. So take a second and brag on yourself a little bit. Talk to us about like what you're working on right now, what you're excited about, you know, what what all of this work and ended up, you know, building into the business that you have, you know, the subscriber count and the the views and that kind of the thing, just to give people who maybe are back in the time where you were in the hospital with your wife right now and they're thinking like, man, what do I do? How do I get out of this? give them a little bit of a glimpse of like what their future could look like if they stay on the path. Yeah, man, it's just crazy. CNBC recently did a proper mini documentary, like a 12 minute spot about my story Awesome! because we had a $40,000 a month in just Amazon affiliates. We now make like 35 to 55,000, which is insane. It's like 250,000 clicks on tech links basically a month. 
And that's a small portion of our overall uh, revenue. We've done eight figures in sales and our multiple seven a year team of 12 people, 125 million video views. That's just on think media. I haven't done the math on some of the other channels. Uh, Video influencers is a separate 600,000 subscriber channel. That's a side project that complimentary, but different. And that's also where I wrote the book, YouTube secrets. Again, number one, best-selling YouTube a lot of books, if you hit 5,000 copies sold, it's pretty good. Yeah, so to hit right. like near 50,000. Even like traditional published 5,000 books is like, whew. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I made my advance back or yeah. whatever for the publisher, but to sell 40, 50,000 books of any book, especially the way that you guys did it, man, it's incredible. It's pretty crazy. So yeah, so just a lot a, a lot of things. And we're, we're still helping people. Our mission is to help 10,000 people create a full-time living, doing what they love while making a difference in the world with online video Mm. and really practically to help 10,000 people find their 1000 true fans. Mm. And without going into that, it's just kind of the famous Kevin Kelly article that if you can find your 1000 true fans, you could, you could build a business around your passion or your expertise or your know-how. And so that would also be 10 million people impacted. And we believe, I believe with education being so disrupted and with things being democratized and the gatekeepers kind of being gone. And even what we've seen with the lockdown and, and all of that, that, that being online, having an online offer and solving problems for others, you know, knowing your audience's proud problems and ambitions and solving those problems. I think YouTube's the best way to do it. And specifically we now have evolved. There's probably two big arms. We're helping people crush it on YouTube and establish their personal brand and their influence. And then we're helping people package promote and profit from their knowledge. And we believe the best thing people could do is create an online course, scalable, mm. whole nother conversation, uh, talking to Thinkific and we have worked with different brand deals, different companies. We use Kajabi, love Thinkific, teachable school. Like these are online course hosting platforms. They said their best students, their most successful students that sell the most online courses and are the most successful are all YouTube creators. And this makes sense Mm. because most online courses are videos inside of a membership area. And if you're educating on YouTube, you are already like pre-attracting someone that absolutely would make the next step. It makes just kind of a linear step. So as they were saying that, I see that kind of as the one-two punch, if you will, that Mm. YouTube is the town square of influence when it comes to video, period. It is the center of the video universe that is why I believe the most consistently influential entrepreneurs, whether it's Brenner Burchard or Gary Vaynerchuk or Marie Forleo or Grant Cardone, invest heavy in YouTube. And it really is a pillar of influence that can then lead to whatever Eric Worre, like yeah, uh, whatever yeah. that can lead to a lot of other things. And that it's also the real estate, digital real estate of YouTube, I think is a pretty critical piece for people. Uh, just something that everybody should be considering. And we help people build their influence with YouTube, period. Do you expect any sort of big changes to be happening with YouTube or any sort of like just really the video influencer industry as a whole with Spotify coming out, making some of the moves that they've made recently? I think that um, YouTube, on, number one, as far as changes, they did just overhaul their whole back end. Like it went from the old classic creator studio to the new YouTube studio. It seems that, and even algorithmically, that about every 10 years, that was how long that change took. So I guess Mr. Beast, very influential YouTuber and one who shares at different events and whatnot, YouTube itself seems, I think it's going to be pretty similar for the next five years. Okay. Meaning the algorithm works, the viewership is there, the user base continues to grow. It's especially the lockdown has just increased viewership and all kinds of things. So 
YouTube will continue to evolve, but they don't move that fast. Like there's not, you know, mm, they're not yeah. making my, it's, it's becoming more of an ocean liner, less of a speedboat. Interesting. In terms yeah. of, of a platform. So I think that's, that's good. And it's also good for us. We keep our courses current, anybody that, you know, so we just recently rebuilt everything in light of like the new reality of YouTube. And, and it's, it's pretty established there. I think with Spotify, I do think it's, you know, it's hard to say. I think that when you become known for one thing, can you start pivoting and become known for something else? Yeah. Maybe Instagram's doing that. I mean, it was just a photo feed. Now it's sure. everything. Right. Live right. video, short form video, yeah. Snapchat, long, and long form video, yeah. <laughs> IGTV, literally it's everything, right? right? You know, and, and people love Instagram. And so that's interesting to me. Of course, yeah. Rogan over on Spotify is, is interesting, but I think YouTube is just such a monopoly to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Amazon bought some URLs too. They bought like Amazon tube and they bought some different things. Maybe interesting, it, you know, people just announced that. But, um, when you think of the already existing content library, yeah, that's one thing that who could catch up with that search so database, right, right. content library. That's where people fix their Jeep shocks, yeah. their, their dishwasher, they right. teach their, they have their dog stop peeing on the carpet. Like it's all, the, so there's that right. aspect. So of course competitors will come and go. But again, I, as far as, is it good ground to invest in YouTube still without question? Hmm. Cool. That was just a kind of a selfish question that I had. So an effort to move this conversation along, cause I know you got to get going, man. We've touched throughout this entire conversation on networking, and it's so clearly and obviously been a huge part of your story, even from the connections that you had early on to find, you know, internships and other jobs. And then, and then now talking about, you know, your COO and and Benji and then all these other, you know, different connections that have come along the way. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. This is the only question I've asked every single guest that's been on Build Your Network, all, you know, 300 something of them. And uh, always, always enjoy hearing the answer. So who you know, or what you know, which of those two is more important and why? Who you know without question, because there's a lot of really good what you know people that are unemployed. Mm. But even if you know less, but you know the right person, they could get you into the company. Yep. Period. Yep. So, and, and who, you know, man, that's what it just, that's what it comes down to. That's like the world works in relationships yeah. and I would just put them in that order. What, you know, is really important. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Not but saying that it's of like, course. Oh, you can just neglect it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But the, who, you know, is, is the edge. Yeah. Your network is your net worth. Right. Yeah. Love it, bro. That, I mean, we're on the same page on that. Um, this is usually the time where I'd ask for like a networking story that you have, but, uh, we've literally given like eight examples in, in this chat. So I'll, I'll go ahead and well, let and me tell you one. Audience. Yeah. Yeah, please. So I think there's something about, uh, I've always wanted to, it's networking is weird because it's weird to temper your own motivation, your own agenda. Mm. But I think it's just I don't think it's bad to want something out of a relationship. It's not, it's not, it's not bad to necessarily have an end goal. I think it's just an order of priorities. So I always try to lead with giving value first and giving without expectation. Mm -hmm. But there was a guy, Dr. Dave Martin, author, speaker, speaking at all kinds of churches. When our church crumbled and we, we started a YouTube channel called Think International, Jeff Morris, he was the youth pastor who got me into video. We had nothing going on. And so what we did was we started to just do something. We started to create content and we started an interview show. 
I think starting an interview show to this day is one of the absolute best moves you could possibly make because you just meet people yes. and you can add value and promote them. It's 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 something I continue to do and like we we do it on our new podcast. I've done it I've done it ten years ago. So we reach out, no connections, no subscribers, no episodes yet. But this guy comes to Monroe, Washington. This is a tiny town. Like this is, you know, and, and, and Jeff reaches out and he's like, hey, could we interview you? And this guy was big, but like not that big. He's like, sure, like whatever. So he's our first ever interview. So we drive out there, borrow Jeff's mom's car, you know, drive to Monroe, Washington, shoot this video. Then you got to be excellent at what you do. So I, I like throw my video editing ninja stuff and my dope hip hop beats on there and stuff. It actually gets his attention. So it gets on his radar a little bit, but that's all that happens. Fast forward a couple of years, he comes to Vegas for an event and I see him. So there's already context. This is the, mm, the power yes. of networking, like a seed's planted, kind of no expectation. And I, I see him at this event. I walk up to him. Hey, good to see you. He's like, how are things going? I go, listen, I really think we should work together. I could help you on YouTube. I could help you get your brand out there and stuff. He's like, oh, I'm not sure. But now I get his contact information. Now it doesn't turn anything. Eventually I get the courage. One of the scariest things I've ever done. Send him an email and I say, listen, hire me fly me to Florida to work with your team. And I think I'm going to, it's going to cost my expenses plus a thousand dollars for a day of coaching and consulting. And if you don't think you got 10 times the value, I'll refund the money, I'll refund the hotel and the airline ticket. And I'll buy you and Christine and Solomon, your son, a gift card to any restaurant in downtown Disney in Florida, Orlando, by where you live because this is how much I believe in what I'm doing. I tell my wife I'm going to do this and, and, and we have like no money. And he goes, all right, well, that confidence, like I'll do it. So he flies yeah. me out and a day consulting, it reveals that their team is incapable. I, di- I didn't realize this is even a strategy, but yeah. like that all I did was overwhelm them with how to actually execute. So they're like, yeah. can we just hire you? And I get hired as a freelance client for him. And I think, I mean, I never really cared about how much I was paid. I always just wanted access to somebody yes, I could learn from. Exactly. So I got to, again, he was a great communicator, author, had sold a lot of books. Again, I wanted to learn all these skills and be in the world. And then he threw a conference every year called Ultimate Life Conference, where he'd bring in these awesome speakers. Tickets were super expensive, way more than I could ever afford, but I just wanted to get in the room. I wanted to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, yeah. So I'd get flown down and I would just keep learning and leveling up from businessmen and entrepreneurs and, and uh, even him. And so it became this massive growth catalyst in my life. And then even to this day, we're so connected, man, shoot, we'll probably do something someday. But he was, he's been such a major influence in my life, but it goes back to that idea yeah. of year over year seeds and leading with, I think, value, yes. just trying to over deliver. And then also, I mean, I, I think it's also okay to expect something out of the relationship. All I wanted was to learn all I, I wanted to was what it could lead to. I've always had that faith in networking was like, I, I sometimes haven't even been like, there's one specific thing I want to happen. Yeah, I sure. just know yep. incredible things happen. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. Sure. When it's who knows you, it's not just who you know, but also who knows you. And he recommended me, I got other consulting gigs out of it, met other people from it, generally built my portfolio. Man, it led to so many different things. It's just one of my favorite stories and the power of relationships. Yeah, so true, man. So true. I had countless things I'm sure that you could pull from your past and, and same with me, just from being willing to add value, take that first step, introduce yourself, and then later on being willing also to ask something. You know, and I think some people, a lot of people even do like the value add and the shaking hands part and they're really great at that. But then when it comes to like, well, I haven't asked, they're just kind of like 
fold up and don't ever leverage the people like that you've spent years building relationships with. And it's like, look, at some time you're going to have an ask, as long as you're digging the well before you're thirsty, then, then it's okay to reach out and have a quick ask of somebody. Um, and you definitely executed on that. So I, I got to ask you this, man, you're clearly world-class at, at what you do and what you deliver on the value that you bring to the world. What do you think makes an individual world-class? How, how, how does somebody separate themselves from the rest of the world and put themselves in that category? Um, I got a couple answers, but if I just gave one answer, it would be distinctions. And so distinctions is the, uh, in finances, I'm not a very good financial guy, but when it comes to finances, I understand what an arm is as far as a loan. I understand a savings account percentage interest rate. I understand like APR and a credit card. If you talk to somebody on wall street, how many more financial distinctions do they have? Mm. Hundreds. When I think about, I remember once I was on staff and somebody was saying like, we need somebody to build the website. Can someone make a pretty website? And I was like, get out of there with, can they make a pretty website? I was like, how fast is the page load time? Yeah. I was like, how organized is it for the Google site crawler? Yeah. How SEO'd are the pages? Right. You're into the surface level of a thing, into the sex appeal of the site. What about the 55, any you know web builder who really knows their stuff yep. w- would know? So I think mastery in any particular thing is having not just knowing the distinctions, but then being detailed in those distinctions. And you see a huge gap, this, man, this, especially in the social media industry. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have social media expert in their bio yeah, and expert, they're super yeah. shallow yeah. and their level of dis- like, are you studying the insights? Are you really looking at page reach? Are you looking at, wow, look at how many views this video got. That didn't, they got three second views on just cause it went through the Facebook feed. That's fine. But let's look at like, what is the real consumption, yeah, the real yeah. watch time that goes into analytics on distinctions of what really makes a YouTube video work in tonality, the way you open it, the YouTube, you know, the thumbnail, the title, of course, the research, the top, like the more distinctions you make in any area speaks to the level of mastery that you have in that area. And so for anybody that wants to grow in mastery, raise your level of distinctions, raise, Mm -hmm. like seek to get a more four dimensional understanding of your industry, of your craft. And then I think it's a commitment to lifelong learning and always leveling up. It's beginner always that it's the journey. It's not, there's no really end destination. The greatest at whatever they do are the ones that after they win the NBA finals, go back to practice the next day and keep learning and leveling up and thinking about how they could do better that actually, after they win a game, they go back and watch their game tape. For example, I've been around different speakers. I heard one guy say, I don't watch my YouTube videos or my live streams after I record them. And I go, man, that's a weakness. Mm. And I was like, can you think of any world-class athlete that doesn't watch the game tape after to see what they could have done better, what their form was. So I watched that back the same way. Like, what was my timing? Oh, that joke, did it land very well there? Man, I kind of bumbled through things. What could I improve on? I think that's that obsession with your craft of distinctions. Did, Did the story come too soon or too late? Was there even a story? What was missing? How did I connect with the audience at the beginning? Like I might list off 45 questions. Somebody else is like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, it's right. a number of distinctions. And I think real mastery has to do with that and a willingness to keep going back to the gym and just keep leveling up. Yeah. And of course, embrace process. I actually think that if at some point someone gets labeled a master, 
Yeah. But I actually think that mastery is more of a spirit than it is a moment mm. because it's something you carry that if you're committed to mastery, you just committed to lifelong learning and leveling up of whatever your chosen vocation skill is. And I respect that determination and, and commitment to excellence because you just know that that's going to pan out. That person's yeah, right. just not going to stop and um, they're going to continue to grow, evolve, level up in their respective area. Yeah. So last thing before we move into the last segment that I have for you, talk to me really quickly. I know this is not a quick topic uh, uh, technically, but uh, just give me like a quick synopsis of your view on this. Talk to me about imposter syndrome and how it played into your uh, career, but also how you see it preventing other people from pursuing their new career. Yeah, man. Imposter syndrome. I, dude, I swear I was like, crippled by it yesterday. Mm. Like, yeah. I think it's one of those things that it keeps rearing its ugly face at, at multiple stages of your career. I think that self doubt is just, is kind of continuous. And even as you go to different levels, like we just got off the other end of, I think the biggest video marketing virtual event of this year, mm. like we just crushed, it was just crazy. 2,700 people, just amazing, incredible feedback. And usually like afterwards, I, yes, I'm celebrating. Yes. I'm like, like excited. But then I'm also almost like you get into that mode of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to mess this up? What happened? Now we're like at a whole nother level. And when you also get 97% thumbs up, but you get the one to 3% thumbs down and you read those nigger, John Acuff, friend of mine calls it haters math, 99 positive comments plus one negative comment equals one negative comment. That's the only one you remember and <laughs> right. read and think about all day right. long. So, I mean, I think that I've dealt with it at every, every different stage. It's something I think you got to acknowledge. You got to just punch fear in the face and press record. And when I look back to 2010, I was terrified to get on YouTube. I'd been making videos for my small youth group and I was like myself going out of my shell. But it's so funny because I always play these videos in my like keynotes and my webinars as I play my first video. And I was like, I actually was pretty good at video when I recorded it. But when I got on YouTube, I, I have like this shell around me because I was terrified to come like to kind of be myself yeah, or share yeah. my voice. And I think this maybe would be the value add I'd have on imposter syndrome is we put a governor on our personality, hmm. like a governor that you put on an engine. So yeah, you right. can't let your teenager go over 60 miles per hour that we're so afraid of maybe offending people to the right or the left that we just stay so neutral. And that's the surest path to lose. Yep. You got to kind of pick a fight, not just for picking a fight's sake. You just want to be you times two and yeah. you probably stand somewhere. Gotta stand for something. Got to stand yeah. for something. But that's, that's what I've struggled with over the years as I've played, I've done a lot of things just kind of vanilla out of fear of people, fear of what people would think. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. It's crazy how common of a disease it is. That, that, that's why I like to ask that question to people who are doing really well now, because I want people to understand at the beginning of their journey, they're like, this is something that you're going to battle for a long time. Like either learn to deal with it or just go be mediocre forever because it's not going to go away. I was listening to an interview yesterday day before with Dax Shepard. He was on armchair expert expert with, uh, with Dax Shepard and he was interviewing Tom Brady and both of them were talking about, they, they didn't call it imposter syndrome, but they were talking about how like they were afraid of people finding out that they're really not capable of doing the thing that they're doing. And 
this is Dak Shepard, who's got the one of the most downloaded podcasts in the world, you know, a really accomplished actor married to Kristen Bell. And then Tom Brady, the greatest football player of all time. You know what I mean? And they're talking about how they hope people don't find out that like, oh, I'm not qualified to do this. Like it's never going to go away. So you got to learn to deal with it, silence it, do something like whatever that's going to mean for you. Um, and so that, that's kind of a little bit of context behind that question. All right, guys. So when I first got started in the podcasting industry, I knew absolutely nothing about online business or podcasting for that matter. And I knew no one that could help me figure it out. And now through almost 500 episodes released on the show, over a million downloads and investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into myself and into my podcast, it's safe to say that I've learned a little bit. Build Your Network is now a top 25 business podcast, and I've been blessed to connect with top entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and others that I could never have dreamed of while also being able to live a life of freedom. So if you want to begin a professional, profitable podcast, but you want to skip over all the difficult lessons that came from beginning a podcast from scratch, then pay close attention to what I'm about to share. I've created a totally 100% free training called Podcast Profit Secrets, where we're going to be talking about how to grow and launch and profit from a brand new podcast. And for those wondering, yes, I will offer an opportunity at the end of the training to jump into my new course and community, but don't worry, I promise it's not going to be this big, long, eternal pitch. The free training itself will be completely comprehensive and you will get plenty out of just that. So if you're ready to build your successful podcast that actually makes money instead of costing you time and happiness, head over to travischapel.com slash profit to go ahead and get registered for that training. That's travischapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash profit to get registered for the training and I'll see you over there. I've kept it too long, bro. I want to go on and move into the last segment here. So I'm going to call the random round, just quick, random questions, quick, random answers. Ready? I'm ready. What profession other than your own, do you think that it'd be fun to attempt? Uh, I'd love to do real estate. I just want to like dress cool and like roll up (laughs) and like flip, sell houses and stuff. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present chat for an hour, who'd it be? Probably John Maxwell. How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Man, I'm an equal opportunity content consumer. What's a book that you'd recommend pretty widely to an audience of entrepreneurs? John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership and 17 Laws of Teamwork. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Coffee, sit down, pray, journal, read, And then work out every day now after 75 hard. So either run or kettlebells and stuff on the alternate days, listen to some more audiobook stuff or some music to get pumped up. And so pretty much check the whole box on the full miracle morning routine every morning. What is your go-to pump up song? Nonstop by Drake. What is something that you like putting business aside, just something kind of general life here that you're just not very good at? sports Mm. as we wrap everything up here man what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most instagram so of course youtube think media posting videos but personally sean cannell rhymes with youtube channel on instagram s-e-a-n-c-a-n-n-e-l-l and yeah i actually do a my daily vlog quote unquote is my instagram story so that's kind of just uh, behind the scenes of, of what we do in our company. And uh, yeah, love Instagram is a good place to DM and hook it up and profile and the whole thing. 
Sweet. So if you're listening right now, head on over to Instagram, take a quick screenshot of this episode, upload it to your story, tag me at Travis Chapel. that's two P's, two L's, and then tag at Sean Cannell, that's S-E-A-N, and then two N's and two L's in his name as well. And tag us over there, and um, we'll go over there, say what's up, and chat for a second. Sean, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Had a blast. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. If you want to connect with me and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join my free Facebook group, The Lounge. I'll see you over there and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.